The Escape from Plan A podcast again, and it's been a while, Jess. Jess, how's it going? It's been ages. It's been it's been busy. Yeah, it's been, it has been a long time, but I don't, I don't know. It's it's been good. Like it's mm-hmm. been a real kind of like uh, growth summer for me. So that was and part of that was just kind of like just I just kind of needed to like withdraw from like quote the internet for a while. So like I haven't been yeah. tweeting. Mm-hmm. I haven't really been checking in on like the chats or anything. I've noticed. So. I've, I figured that was a good thing. I was like, <laughs> so I didn't bother yeah. you. I was just like, all right. Um, I'll hear from you when I hear from you, and then I heard from you, so I was like, "Hey, you want to?" Yeah, it's kind of different. Like, it wasn't like an intentional thing. Like, oh, I need like a cleanse, or you know, I need to detox from this. It was just more like, like just yeah, some I just other noticed shit going that, on. I have, yeah, and just like I just didn't have anything to like. It was kind of weird. Like, I think we were talking a couple of months ago. Like, we, I think we were all kind of feeling it. Like, we just mm-hmm. remember when you were talking. Like, you just didn't really have much to say. Like the like. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I it turned it was, out not to be true. <laughs> I, I, I could tell. I could tell. You've, you've been a chatty Kathy past couple yeah. of months. Um, yeah, but I mean that's, that's good, true. right? But like, I felt that too. Like, I just like if I'm thinking about a thing, it was all confused and like muddled. I wasn't really getting clarity. Just kind of making myself mad for no reason mm. without really yeah. even being able to get to it. So like, this was kind of like like just kind of clearing some some clogged neural pathways, maybe or something. So nice. Well, you sound you sound good. Yeah, thank you. Um, you yeah. sound like because a, a lot of times in the past, like um, when things were really shitty, you know, like when we when and we were always potting about, you know, anti-Asian violence, which is still a huge problem. But, uh, you know, it's there you, you sounded and we all sounded, I think, kind of like um, just like discombobulated. And, you know, like there was this there was this um, sound of just like maybe like a little bit of resignation but i don't i don't hear that anymore you said uh i mean, say, <laughs> you, I mean you know what i was thinking of that too you know you you and the guys doing the the america watcher series um I, mm. I, that's actually thing Carl I, and John. yeah it's less mm-hmm. uh, less just like emo- like just uh more like front brain thinking on this sort of thing yes yeah maybe this is a process we all have to kind of go we all have to go like i think you do have you need do need to feel this thing right and that's mm. that's something that's before like reason basically you have to be able to feel this at a human level and that's a, kind of in like an animal base instinct level and i think just time and be, and a little bit of like mental discipline is what you need to like progress through that not get over it but like like package it up into a thing that a that an individual human can 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 deal with and and yeah. and make sense of and and process and and you know figure out your place in the, without without like retreating into denial or hand waving um as like it's all gonna be okay or whatever um so i don't think there's a shortcut to it but so i, I feel like we just did that we just did that process in public with each other um yeah i think you know and this is one of the things i noticed about doing that america watcher series with carl and john which is like we had jody evans from Code Pink come on and we had Tim Shorrock come on and these are people in their 70s mm. and I was like you know and I told Jody this who's awesome by the way um mm-hmm. I was like you're like a you're like a mentor I you know I'm like I've rarely ever said that because it's so rare for me to find someone who's like older and more experienced but who I understand like I kind of feel shares similar values like as like see things 
fundamentally the way like I see things and and my friends like like you would see things or or John or Carl would see things. You know, every time I think about people that are older than me, I feel like a lot of them are just like just very different. Um, you know, they just have very different views of the world that I find kind of outdated. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was just really good to be get in touch with someone who's like significantly more experienced. And that's not just a euphemism for older. I mean, someone who's like devoted her life to doing some sort of, you know, activism or organizing or, you know, writing, whatever it is. Um, not to say that that's what I do, but I'm just saying that someone who just took their, you know, the, the, the their ideas very seriously. Um, you know, how often do you come across that these days? It's very rare, you know especially I mean? someone in that, in that age bracket. I know exactly what yeah. you mean. Um, yeah. Like, uh, so like it's an older cohort. So th- these are the people that didn't grow up with the internet. Probably a significant number of them aren't interested in being on the internet at all. So mm-hmm. there's like that factor, right? So even if they are cool, they're just, we just don't know them. We just don't know who they are, uh, where they're, you know, what's going on. Uh, a subset of the loud ones are just on Facebook talking about QAnon or, you know, Bidenomics, either pro or like, like, like you said, like just kind of out, not in touch with, I think, where things are i think they're not free thinking you know what i mean like Um, i don't even have to necessarily agree with you but just be free thinking and and um you know and and one thing that i felt actually this made me feel really good was i was starting to or we were starting to be like okay well because we were talking just about like how horrendously like belligerent our leaders are and how they want to start a you know they just want to keep starting wars Mm mm-hmm and it's really depressing, you know, and I was just like, you know, you know, what the fuck? I mean, what are we supposed to do about this? It seems like there's really no democratic process to stop this because this is all foreign policy and it's not, you know, hemmed in by actual, you know, electoral cal- calculations. They don't, you know, it's all, you know, uh, commander in chief type stuff. Mm-hmm. And she just goes, just do what you're doing. There's nothing else. Like, just do like this space. You guys like trying to corral people into one space to get the message out or to what just do that. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, if someone might somewhat appear, I mean, like to be, to be honest, like you're, you're a peer, John's a peer, Carl's a peer. If they say that to me, if you said that to me, it, I would, I would value it, but I wouldn't totally trust it. Cause you're, we're peers, right? It, mm-hmm. I, it would feel like we're just sort of like, um, um, we're on the same boat. Yeah, we're talking. We're so, just yeah, we're talking each other up, you know. But to hear it from someone who's been doing it for, for yeah, a while, they're both they're in a different boat. That's a further that's closer to the des- that's closer to where we want to be than we are. And they're calling back and saying, "No, no, no, you're on the right path." But if we're all stuck in the same boat and we all have we're all using the same equipment, it's a little hard to be like, "No, you definitely have know what you're doing here," as yeah. opposed to me. Yeah, no, I get it completely. So um, that was very nice to hear someone mm-hmm. because, um. Yeah, I think there's just like a real, there's just a real lack of, of, I wouldn't even call it leadership, but more like mentorship for people who, when they re, when they hit our age, you know, I know you're younger than me, but you know, like at, at this no, point, we're it. all like, we're all adults, right? We're just grown ass adults. And there yeah, aren't I mean, many there's people a steep drop to, off. There's yeah. a steep drop. I think like millennials, so people born roughly like in the, in the early to mid eighties are the first ones to have like spent all of their formative years on the, on the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
So like we're probably going to be on the internet in our seventies, but the people who are 70 now didn't do that. Um, and I can already see it now, like among the, my, my friends, right. who are all like in, in, deep into their thirties and forties. Now there's a steep drop off. Like as soon as like that mortgage comes through that kid that you get married, you have kids, they just completely vanish from like the public sphere basically. So it's a little weird that our most dominant like public square I'm not just talking about Twitter, but I'm talking like the internet at large is populated by people who um, there's a self-selection to who appears, who is showing up on our screens. Um, yeah, it's a it's a real yeah. bummer because I like yeah. the boomers that do that are on the internet um, or that make the news. They're the worst kind. Yeah, they I really think that are. yeah, I think the real important message for me is was to hear just like yeah, you know, don't 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 give up the freedom of thought, right? Like, don't don't just realize that this whole thing is futile and just fall in line and become, um, you know, let, let a little bit of that uh, cynicism creep in because it's, it's probably just better for you. And part of me was just like, wow, she's like in her 70s. She sounds like a young, she sounds like mm-hmm. a young woman, frankly. <laughs> like, she sounded really young, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's not it's not the quality of her voice, though it was that too. It was just more the way she was talking was like you know, yeah, there was still a, there was still different... there was a lot of energy in it. And I was like, Yes, that's what I want. I, I don't want to be old and cynical. Yeah. Absolutely not. I wanna I just wanna remain, you know, free free in my thoughts, you know, all the way through. Like I don't wanna let that old resent that resentment come in, you know, like that old um, cynical resentment that you see in some grown people where I'm like, how did, you know, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> see, and I think like that tendency, um, I think it's actually really bad because of the, of the boomers that, that I know, um, talk to like, I'm, I'm like, um, this is a fun, I think I know more like boomers that I'm not actually related to because as a function of like having, having had a dog and I used to go to the dog park a lot. And so who's shows up at a dog park, right? It's going to be like significantly older people. Oh, is that right? Um, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. If you have like a young family or something, you're, you're not like, um, and I was like, my dog was so active as a puppy. Like I would be spending like two hours a day at the dog park. Uh, and just happened to like, and I was working for, for my, I had my own company, so I could kind of make my own hours. So God, that sounds that's nice. how it happens. It, it, it is. That it is like, really that nice. That sounds like a great life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I knew, I happened to know a couple, like several, like boomers, right? Mm. Um, where am I going with this? Oh yeah. That tendency to cut that cynicism. I think that's a, it, it kind of, it's not just a thing in itself. I think it compounds over time. Like if you have that little instinct, like say in your twenties or thirties, if you just, if you don't correct that by the time you're in your 70s, 60s and seventies, this mm. turns into a kind of like paranoia. Yeah. Like a deep, right. like it goes beyond cynicism. It turns into like an active, like fear based, uh, like fear and anger and paranoia kind of bundled into one. Mm-hmm. And that's what passes for like, quote, a political sentiment there mm, yeah. so this is the kind of boomer that'll look at you uh look at like me when i'm talking about you know what's going on in my life and how things are going in the society that i'm i'm in and they'll look at me and tell me that i have no idea what i'm talking about they know how the entire they know how the world works if i'm just wrong in yeah, some and there's sense. no point in trying you're stupid there's no yeah. point in trying uh they'll they'll tell you contradictory things like like uh like 
dear friend of mine, I love her to death, but you know, she is, she is this classic boomer. Like she, she criticized me for a long time saying like, I work too much, you know, I'm a workaholic, you know, millennials don't know how to, how to enjoy life. You know, we're just, we're just too obsessed with money or working. And then like, and then like, she'll read a thing from the New York times and be like, why are you millennials? So, uh, so lazy. You're like, you just said contradictory things there lady, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, and then, but, and then, as soon as the conversation turns political, you you see enti- you see exactly how this template works, and it works best on these people here. So you have people completely cheering on like an expansion of the military, you know, everything that they're doing in Ukraine or China's bad or something. It's not even. It doesn't even have to be like an explicit. It's not an. It's really, it's really something else to take a step back and actually see how this propaganda machine works and who it works the best on. And it's people who have had that kind of like cynicism, uh, that this this kind of false perception that they actually know how the world works and actually the world revolves entirely around their needs and having lived in a world that was very well suited to their needs for a very long time. And then apply that to today and say that way of life is under threat. These are the people who are threatening it. And you can get them to do anything, agree to anything. Mm. To to become reactionaries in a way. Basically, yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, very under a very liberal front, right? Saying like, Mm. oh, um, like, no, what we're doing, what we're doing in Ukraine is absolutely not a neo-colonial venture. That's absolutely gutting just absolutely raping this country for our own political ends. We're actually their friends. We're, we're considering Ukraine allies here. Like, I don't know about you. I don't, if, uh, if my friend dropped depleted uranium on my house, I, I'm going to have a hard time believing they're my friend. Just, oh God. I saw that exchange at the state department spokesperson. It was crazy. Well, the um, CDC said it's not, yeah. You know, I mean, like, you know um, oh yeah. The CDC. Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we actually have like a lot. We, ha- we actually have. We know what it did in Iraq. <laughs> you know, we, we know. have, you know, the, the record's clear in this. Uh, as, it, as if the CDC has any fucking credibility left. And then the IAEA, which they, they cited the IAEA as saying, signing off on depleted uranium. I'm like, oh, the same group that signed off on having the water that passed directly over melted nuclear fuel rods get just dumped back into the ocean. That IAEA, you think the world is ready, is willing to just like take the word of these international organizations after COVID? Fuck no. I mean, agree or not, I'm just saying, like, read the tea leaves. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's what it is, and then there's how people read the room. If he, if people trust them, and mm. the answer to the second is is a fuck no, and that is yeah. a real problem that they are not willing to address. But well, let's you know, uh, like, let's let's corral this in the direction I think. Um, oh, okay, of, we got uh, way afield. No, we're no. Actually, I don't think we are. No, I, I'm I'm saying this because I think we're at a. At, this is actually relevant. I think it might be a segue. I don't know. Okay, be- interesting. Because I I think that part of this, and I think this is a general thing I've been noticing in people, is that you you're you know what the sunk cost fallacy is. Obviously, uh, I think that there painfully. Is a, yeah, I think <laughs> there's a sunk cost fallacy to like life, meaning like our entire life. When we get older, um, and maybe not even when we get older, maybe 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 this applies even when you're young. But you're you've committed to, or you're you're committed to uh, a certain life that we instinctively become rather defensive 
of that life and of the of the of the ideas behind that life and the choices we we tend to i think defend our choices even when we think maybe we have maybe they're not great like maybe we're not that happy with our lives or our situation but i think a lot of people there's a sunk cost fallacy where i see people erecting these psychological defense mechanisms to be to con- to remain convinced that despite them being unhappy in their current situation, this is still the best possible situation. You know, I, and I feel like all, like all of the reason I think that's tied to what we're talking about just then is like, I think America itself as like, you know, as an, as like a country, we're kind of doing that. Like I see this commitment to like, we both understand that our situation is shit. But when we see that situation, when we see that there's p- any sem- like notion of like a better alternative out in the world, we immediately attack it as being a lie or, you know, not the full truth or, you know, whatever. And that there's no way, there's no way to be better than we are now. Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like that's just rampant now. Uh yeah, I can see that, but I think those are the those are the foot soldiers. Uh, the most charitable read, you know, from people the broad, you know, across uh, the broad spectrum of people that I know, is the sense that it's uh, it's things are bad. They are not likely to get worse. I mean, they're not likely to get better. And it's not a it's not a straight up denial denial that you know. Uh, that China is actually a developed country, or that Europe has better infrastructure. Oh, but that's, or but that is everywhere. I mean, I what you just said there the- is everywhere in the in the media, where you know they're constantly painting, and I'm, it's not just China, but I mean the whole world that it doesn't that is trying to go a different way. Immediately, they get painted as dangerous and full of lies and authoritarian, See, and you can't no, trust anything that-, that they say. I don't doubt that that's happening. I also mm-hmm. think that the power that their power to keep the the people uh, thinking that way is diminishing. I think people I think are. I think I think people in America. Okay, this might depend on who we're talking to or who we're sampling, but I think that I find that Americans, by and large, um, are believing that story, and they or we are turning away from the rest of the world. And we are stewing in our own misery, and 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 we protect ourselves by denying that we don't have to do this. We're we're basically saying like this is the inevitable, like fate. Like you, this is you know this is the best possible world. Is this shitty one that we're in? And to the extent that things are better overseas, they're all just lying because it's even shittier over there. This is very very doom loop type thinking where it's like we both acknowledge that things are bad here and refuse to acknowledge that it could be actually better if we just made different choices you know, uh, that, that's what i see i don't see people really holding are you out talking hope. about like i mean are you talking about like like people on twitter or i'm, t- I'm um, saying people in real life people on twitter who anyway, are real okay. people i'm saying hmm. people in the media i'm saying you know i'm saying everyone like this is a general thing that's going on in america in my in my from my perspective which is that you know they, we don't really want to be open to any 
alternatives in the world. Like, it's just us. And, you know, whatever happens is the best thing that could happen, which is means that we're turning into very cynical people because if we're the best thing that happens and it sucks, we're entering into like a world, into a, like a, a culture where we just sort of think the world sucks. We're just a cynical, depressing culture, you know? I don't I don't know about that. See, I, I think there is this big split. I, I 100% agree with you. This is how the media operates. This is how the media would like us to be. This is how the powers that be want us to think. I also don't think that it's, it's as common a mindset uh, as it seems is is all I'm saying. Oh I think no, I, I think it's. I, I think it. This is absolutely corroborated in, in people I know, like real okay. life. Yeah. Okay, that, it's not corroborated my... people that I know. Uh, I yeah. mean, I'll just report on what I what I I can see then, right? Because mm-hmm. I can't do, I can't do anything. I don't have like numbers or anything. Uh, but pe- but of the people that I that I know or talk or am acquainted with or talk to or whatever, it seems like people are just running a very savvy like uh like pro con list, like a little min max equation that's constantly with variables constantly running their head. And of the ones that, you know, and there are there are a few who are like, you know, fuck this. This equation is completely flipped for me. There's no it's more value it's more optimal for me to just f- fuck off and just go somewhere else and to stay here. I know people like that. Yeah, but that's power not, to them. that's not, that's Hold not helpful on. at all. You know? Hold on. Yeah. And I think of the people that, you know, have made that choice and we're all making that choice, right? You and me and everybody else, um, you know, like you and me at least right here, right? Like mm-hmm. we can see how bad things are getting. We can kind of, we can kind of sur- guess and kind of make a mental model of what we see outside the United States. Uh, yet we have both chosen to remain here at least for the time being. And I, I've, I haven't made any plans to leave or anything. It doesn't sound like you have. It means that on balance, what you the life you have here is is actually better than the life you can envision for yourself no, elsewhere. No, really, no. Yeah. What's the only reason? You I, I'll tell you. The only reason I'm here is one. I still I have people here that I care about, and I gotta I gotta be around. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, um, my mat like just based on my career path, mm-hmm. like I my I I can only max out my earning here in in the United States. That's so, still a balance. Like, okay, if like if the it. camps opened up tomorrow, right, and we have like eight hours to leave, right? Do you think Asian Americans would stay? Yeah. You think yep. there'd be Asian Americans who who would who would still stay, yeah. knowing most, that most would internment's stay. on the horizon? Yep, it's already happening. Okay. So, I mean, so I mean, I don't I think mean, it's, fewer it's, are coming, but I don't I don't think people are like. You know, fleeing big picture. The I think it's still it's still an individual level. Dis- the Choice camps are already like, here, by the way. Like once you say stuff like Chinese can't own property or whatever. The ca- First of all, they never came for all Asians. They only came for Japanese. Mm-hmm. This time they're coming for Chinese. So that's the thing is like most people, the Chinese during the Japanese internment weren't particularly worried. Okay. And I don't think that, you know, <clears throat> people who aren't Chinese nationals, which is what this law targets, are also going to be particularly worried. I mean, this is never they've never come after Asians as a whole. I mean, my my basic so. point is that is that if that it, there is absolutely a point where shit gets so bad here that your consideration your your primary consideration is not your earnings potential, it's to get the fuck out. Yeah, but I, I don't see how there. that that's just like deeply black pilled thinking about America, where it's um, like, I okay, think... are are you are you willing to flee the country? And I'm like. Okay, but okay, fine. I mean, I I've, I think about that all the time. Is like, um, how long will I actually stay in America? Because I don't really believe in in. 
I don't really believe that America's near-term future is going to be good. I, I feel maybe in the long term it might be decent, actually. But we're going to have to go through some very painful... There's a nation-level restructuring coming up. And it's not going yeah, to be pretty. To, it's it's going to fall but, apart. So I think most people are kind of black-pilled on this. So yes, it's to the exactly. extent that... To the extent that they're like saying, they're, I don't see a lot of people sincerely believing that the world outside is just truly shit. Uh, I see a lot of people angry that we are not living up to our own promises. To I think Asians are more open to that, but I don't think I don't think most most Americans still think that we're living in the best possible world. It's just a terrible world. So if that's the universe is terrible. You know, um, I don't know about that. Like every time, I mean, it, there, there's definitely a race component to it, right? Like, like something. We're, we're dying some, of despair. We're literally we dying are, of despair. But we wouldn't be. So why would we be dying mean? of despair if we actually truly thought that we are living in the best possible option? No, no, no. In the sea of worse options. No, no. That's exactly what kills you, because what happens is that if you go by the assumption that this is the best possible world, then there's no fucking hope. Because this is as good as it gets, right? That's the that's the problem with that thinking, is that you you shut yourself off to any notion that hey, actually, it the problem might just be us. The problem might just be like the way we're doing things. Like we could just change. We have power over the situation because there is no law that says that whatever we are is the best possible thing, you know. But they believe in that. They believe in the American exceptionalism, and you live by that, and then you also die by that because. When things go wrong, you know, if you're you're if you believe in the inherent exceptionalism of America and everything we stand for and do, then it just completely saps you of any hope and energy when things go bad. That that's my that's my theory about this sunk cost fallacy. Okay, is that we're so invested in our own rightness and greatness that when things are wrong, like we just keep doubling down on all the mistakes. You know what I mean? Well, who's the we? Because I see plenty Collective, of people. Collectively. Co- like you're talking about like the powers that, that, that like the I'm government? Talking about the, I'm talking about the us rich? as a collective. No, I'm talking about Americans as a collective. As a collective I, don't, I don't think it can be. I don't think America can be properly discussed as a collective. I think it can be if we talk about the loss of the loss of faith. You, we can say about a collective loss of faith and a collective loss of engagement you know, okay. is there a collective project, a collective, you know, no, there isn't. There's a collective loss. That I think there's a collective uh, aspect to. That, that's the thing that I think is most worrying me these days is that there is a collective loss of um, energy and people from everyone from the, you know, they're saying like retail workers are quitting in mass. Well, white collar workers were quitting in mass to the extent they, they could afford to. And even the ones who are like, they won't, you know, even at my workplace and stuff, like people just are checked out and they don't, you know, they're not, um, there's a staleness in the air. There's a staleness. It's a collective staleness because there's just, there isn't a, there isn't like, um, there isn't like a collective project for us to buy into anymore. Um, uh, I, I, I see it as a, a drama- as a as a pause, like a, like hold. Everyone is holding their breath because I don't think anybody who is actually taking a good look at just not even big picture, but their own life circumstances. I don't think there's anybody who really believes that things are going well 
or that the the line is going to go up in a positive direction anytime soon for themselves, I think it's a bracing for impact. Well, I see a if, lot of people if, if like bracing for impact that I think that's a good idea because I think yeah, there's going to be an that's impact. I think there is. I mean, mm-hmm. this this pervasive sense that uh, that shit is weird. It's fucked up. It's not fair. And, you know, like this cannot possibly go on for much lo- for much longer. Yeah, it can't go on. I mean, like the what was it the keynesian rule I this is getting like, really I mean, depressing <laughs> well i'm trying like, to see i'm actually yeah. i'm actually trying to drag it back because i don't think it's to what? Uh, um i'm not that depressed by it like if we're talking about the soul of america or something i'm like i'm not actually that depressed about it um well because i, I think on the on the whole i think it's shit has gotten so bad that everyone at almost every level of society remember we talked about this quite a bit we did a lot of talking about the next nine right that class mm-hmm. that particular class that we both are a part of and and which is the one getting squeezed the hardest yeah right they're gonna now. get fucked we're gonna get fucked Yep. Yeah, this is how retarded it's going to get when that when that class gets screwed. It's yeah. it's game over. These are the henchmen, the enforcers, the buffer, the propagandists. You know, this is the muscle for the for the power well, structure. Well, that that's the sad part is they're going to get fucked. We're going to get fucked, but it's just going to make us try harder. This some is not because, of, some of because us. we're because they, because those this is the age of this is the age of psychopaths. I fully I understand what you're saying. Like there's yeah, gonna be the, gonna try the psycho model minorities basically because mm-hmm. the next nine is, yeah the professional the model minority shit is gonna kick in hard. PMC culture is gonna get more intense and just worse. Yes, it will, you know, and it be, will reward it, psychopaths for a little while. But on the whole, if that class gets screwed, like for one thing, a big part of the consumer class, and we are a consumer economy, falls completely out if this class gets gets pressed much yeah, harder. Yeah, but here's the thing: I, I'm I'm convinced that they don't care. Well, who's they now? Because the Federal what, Reserve. And okay, the, I don't. The people who pull the levers, they are I, going they to can cause. Care. They cannot an economic, care. They're going to cause an economic crisis, which they're doing they're in real time, in order to put the thumbscrews to us. They can care. They cannot care. That's their business. I'm, ta- I'm talking about what it's what's going to happen. People have already completely lost trust in the establishment here, right? Yeah, and nobody they're trying trusts. To fix, they're going to they're going to try to fix that through pain. Okay, well, is pain, pain going to make people trust them more? No, it's going to make people more desperate and willing to comply. Well, we'll see how that we'll, well see how that for. works out. That's you, their hope. It can go history one of two ways. Not, history has not typically been been uh, in favor of that approach. Let's, well, the let's history that, that they're way. looking at is 1978 to 1982. Well, you know that history goes a little bit further back than that. No, no, I don't and think they're the, going to work. But I think that's what they're they're looking at. Sure, they, they and I'm saying. They think if we're talking gonna... about some collective perspective here, I think people are waiting for that moment, that tipping point moment, and they're doing their best to make sure that they are gonna, they are as protected as possible, that their kids are gonna be as protected as possible in that. But I don't think anyone is actually invested, uh, is actually investing themselves into a collective, broader vision but, past yeah. that moment. Bottom line is, if you have the well, if you have the ability to look outside the United States for the future, I would seriously consider doing that. I mean, I that's what I see. Um, it's it's people opting out in ways that are self protective, 
and in ways that protect themselves and their families. Like all the propaganda is geared towards pulling people back in. And that means that people are, are en masse opting out in the ways that actually hurt. Yeah. Maybe it's not enough to, to change anything yet, but that ball has, has started rolling and it's not going to stop. Look, yeah, look, it's a bleak future in America. I, I don't really think that there's much... I mean, it could... I guess what I'm saying is you, we never know for sure if things could get better very quickly. You know, things could stay the same for a long time. But I think there's also like a very high or significant at least probability that we're going to go off a cliff. And there's a lot of data and facts on the ground that are easily observable to suggest that the chances for that are probably bigger than we've seen in the past. Uh-huh. And so I think the rational f- idea here is to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, right? And so by preparing for the worst, I am personally saying, thinking to myself, that number one, the way that the professional managerial class earns money and the amount of money that they earn is not going to continue indefinitely. Yes. And I'm already seeing that a lot of people that were earning you know, mid six figures in, you know, these bubbly, these very bubbly sectors like real estate and technology. A lot of them are having their life plans derailed and they maybe they don't know it yet, but it's likely like a permanent derailment. They're not ever going to find another job like that. Yes. Um, and so my thinking is, in America, the situation now is it's going to be a lot of the PMC. Like, I think you, PMC needs to hold on as tight as they can for the remaining few years and pick whatever fruit they can get to and save it and do not engage in reckless spending and prepare yourself for, um, like, an extend a protracted era. <laughs> I don't know well, how many, you know, how I long. see it as war. Mm-hmm. War metaphors make the most sense to me. Maybe that's hyperbolic and I'm, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm actually comparing this to boots on the ground, actual warfare, but the basic sentiment is the same. It's our livelihoods, our way of life, you know, our ability to take care of ourselves and our families that is directly under attack. We're being squeezed hard, so it's a protracted fight against, uh, and and I think the part of the propaganda has been it's been it has been very effective is to get us to sympathize with our employers with with the power structure with the way things are, with the understanding with the kind of hope the carrot that uh, the carrot that's dangled in front of us is if you work hard enough if you sell your soul to us uh, hard enough we'll let you enjoy some of the fruits of that of that labor. That is turning into more and more. That was always kind of a lie, but it was it was okay. Like you could put food on the table, you could take a vacation every year, you could buy a new car. So fine, you'll put up with it. Um, as that that equation starts tilting further and further away from our, you know, our sense of self preservation and prosperity, that's you know the propaganda is only going to work for so long. So I just don't know. think the PMC matter as much as we think they do. I think that. You know, they'll get squeezed or replaced or thrown out. It, it doesn't make a d- damn bit of difference. Um, See, you are very... Um, I don't know about that. 
No, I don't think they do because I think that um, one, the ones who actually matter are not going to lose their jobs. Right, the ones that actually are needed to keep this thing running are not going to be are going to be fine. It's um, the see, it's the large um... number of people who are came into the game through bubble, through froth, through grift. Uh, that is going to come to an end. It's going to be very painful for a lot of people. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, well, what did you think was going to happen? You really thought that you were going to earn that much money doing nothing? You know, and the game was up. Like I said, like you know, I mean, when we saw these, you know, twenty-seven-year-olds bragging on TikTok all through the pandemic about how they were making three hundred thousand dollars at Google doing nothing, sitting by the pool, what did they think was going to happen? Well, here, here's a like thing. Okay, so like, so you read bullshit jobs, right? Yeah, we talked quite a bit about that, right? Mm -hmm. I reread that recently. Great, Um, great book. Yeah, yeah, amazing. uh where, where, where what was i thinking okay so like so graber kind of makes this you know envelope back of the envelope calculation that maybe like 30 maybe even up to half of our quote service-based economy you know our that productivity gain to gdp is completely bullshit right jobs that didn't need to exist uh, staffed with nihilistic people in despair because everybody knows their job people tend to know that their job is bullshit and stuff that, that can be that can be eliminated from the work from our collective workplace experience with basically no impact to it, right? Why do these jobs exist? For one thing, right? Who do they serve? Why did this even come about? I think he didn't even go go as far as he even could have. And part of that is, or maybe he didn't. I just don't remember it. But my basic point is, the PMC may not matter in so much for their labor, but they are valuable for their consumption. So part of the bullshit jobification of the economy is partly because you needed people to have jobs to have some money to buy the products that the machine cranks out. This is partly why this push to autom- this AI, this fear of AI has a has a very solid wall that it's going to have to contend with. It's not a perpetual oppression and extraction engine. Yeah, Eventually you're going to be making that- shit if, You're going to have to be the, making shit for robots to consume because people aren't going to, there's nobody that's can afford your product. Yeah, we already hit that wall. So, you know, there are some hard, you know, the, the machine is extractive and exploitative and oppressive and it's terrible and a lot of people suffer for it. Um, but there are hard limits to that. Uh, where, uh, you know, that's saying that the market can stay irrational far longer than you can stay solvent. I think that's attributed to Keynes, but I don't think that he actually originated that uh that's that's kind of why that's kind of true especially in but an era where there's you, such high but, concentration but what is the point of this analysis are we trying to say that there's something salvageable here <laughs> or like you know i mean i don't think people are I, well it's just to, to to kind of push back some on your assessment of the like the collective spirit of america so to speak like this willingness to believe that uh that uh that the united states even of the people that kind of accept that the United States is not in a great place, uh, that it's still the best option. Correct. Um, I, I don't that, quite I see think, it that way. Well, I'm not saying you do. I'm saying that as collectively, that's how we think. And that to me is a, here's what, here's what I'm saying is, okay, I, we're not ever going to get onto the, to the original topic. I think we should stay on this topic because it's quite interesting. Okay. Um, and we'll save that for another time, which is this, this, um, 
I forgot what that one was. What was it? What did you want to talk about? Don't worry about it. (laughs) I I think we should invite John to talk about that one as well. Okay. Because it it was really a comparison between the cultural, the cultural assumptions behind Chinese diaspora who moved to Malaysia. Oh yeah. Trying to synthesize two, two disparate identities into one cohesive. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's too big a topic to get into on this pod, but we're, uh, we'll continue on this, this topic. Cause I think it's very interesting too, which is that, um, what I'm saying is this might be a time to just be a little bit more selfish, frankly, and think, and, and shit, maybe this is not news to anyone. Maybe this is what most people think. Maybe this is just news to me. But it, it is time to be willing to, I think, just to sort of like look at the reality and say that your personal, you know, your personal commitments to the United States um, might become liabilities, like big liabilities in, in the very near term. And that uh, it, it like it might be time to leave this place behind, you know, to the extent that you can. I don't know. It, it's it's uh, it, and it's hard to do that because the rest of the world doesn't really operate the way the United States does. It's a very different mentality. Okay. And uh. the rest of the world is not becoming like America. <laughs> it is. It is. I think rapidly getting wealthier and more powerful and more confident in itself. But it is not just reproducing America, but in a different place. Yeah, I which, think, which uh, I think is tied. The United to... States was a bubble, um, and we are slow. This is a slow, long, drawn-out process of the United States um, being dragged back in with the rest of the world, operating on on terms that that more or less everybody else has to abide by. Well, we're not the... really doing well in that regard because we're 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 denying, you know, to the extent that we already are part of that world and have like some of the where we're actively trying to turn ourselves away from the rest of the world. Sure. I didn't say it was going to be an easy or, you know, unified linear process. And so the question is as an American is, and these are more like macro questions, not really like, Hey, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do, but I'm just saying in terms of how I think, because I'm, I think I'm more top down when I think is like, as America closes the door on the rest of the world, do I want to be in here or do I want to be out there? Because mm-hmm. I find that the culture here and the mindset here is increasingly insane. It's not a sane mindset. It's, it's, it's really lost in its own past. And it's full of like weird... It's like a muttering fool. And... Uh, you know, you can come up with like an example of some friend you know or some people you know that aren't like that, and that's fine. But I'm just saying, as a collective, I mean, I think that's where the culture here is going, and uh, maybe that turns around, and hopefully it does. But I don't see that happening per se. I think we're just going to get become more mired in our own internal political fights, and you know, our own little world of struggles between factions here inside the United States that the rest of the world has no idea about or cares about. 
and we're just going to be the muttering fool and the idiot that that you know is is just racked with domestic strife and the rest of the world is going to move on and if you want to find um you know sort of like a better more vibrant uh culture you're going to have to leave the united states i don't really see that you know i think before it might have been like oh you know i have to leave this rust belt and go to new york city or i have to leave this shit town and go to los angeles or california you know but then look at new york look at california it's not exactly uh fucking rainbows and unicorns you know it's urban fucking hellscape too and it's seemingly getting worse and so i gotta think that uh we're starting i'm starting to see the world as divided between sort of like this new world that is starting to find itself and there's a new era of globalization going on there's a new era of internationalism but the united states doesn't want to be a part of it and it's close actively closing the doors on that and the question is do you want to be part of this world or that world um is is the is the big choice that i see over the next five to ten years five years i i mean i don't disagree with you on that yeah like the position that the united states had for most of our lives and definitely you know the boomers uh gen xers you know the post-world war ii era that was a that's a heady time in history mm-hmm. for the United States. Letting go of that is going to be hard. That's it's amazing. not going to be, yeah. Um, that's what that's what being on top of the entire the entire fucking planet basically fell apart, and the United States was the only one standing. Right, that's an insane position to that's be. That's why in. it's so sad. Is because like especially like people like like us. I think I I think we actually do kind of really admire. And are in 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 quite sort of like awe of what the United States is. I've never been very like anti-American, you know. Um, I'm just I'm just saying like, look, if you really understood the true sort of like vibrancy of the United States, what it used to be, and I think as a 45 year old, I did catch sort of the tail end of that, um, just enough to see it go away Mm. and just also just enough one to see it go away and also just enough to get a sense of how great it was right that you know um you don't if you don't know that like i I guess what i'm saying is americans who don't quite know that uh feeling um may not have a real adequate understanding of what's being lost I think if you were around to be young, like a young adult, like the the lowest edge of that is if you were like a young adult, like maybe in your late teens or tw- in your twenties, mm. through the at, through any point of the nineties, I think you would catch a sense of this. I was yeah. just starting; I, I just missed it, mm. <laughs> right? Uh, mm-hmm. But even I had a sense of that. Um, like it's just like I think nineties were like truly like America's high water mark. I mean, and this is like taking into account like, yeah, I know the genocide, you know, colonialization, racism, all this chattel slavery, all of that, all of that is really nice. I'm just talking about just zooming way the F out. Right? We're talking like nineteen forty five to nineteen fifty. We're talking literally every other corner of the world was blown apart. There was like 
the old European powers were all leveled, right? Asia was a mess. South America was a mess. Africa was a mess. And just there's this one country, this very, very young country that just basically it, on the timescale of civilization came out of fucking nowhere. It's like the startup of countries, right? Uh, just came out of nowhere and just stayed on and was somehow on top. This country that was barely 200 years old at that point somehow conquered an entire fucking continent in that time period and was the only remaining like country that was untouched yeah, from the new. wars of, of the night of the early, like the early 1900s. Yeah, it's untouched. Old news. And it's old news now. It's old news because the that era is over. We're, 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 at, we're in a totally different phase of history. Mm-hmm. And that, that energy is still in the world. It's just not here. And mm-hmm. in fact, a lot of that energy is about getting out from under us because we've become very fucking evil. Extremely. Like, I'm sorry, but there's not really much sugarcoating like the fact that the United States is pretty much like the most evil force on the planet at this point. And and I know that that's a highly politically charged thing to say or whatever. It's not edgy. It's uh, just a plain fact. I mean, you just have to look at facts. Well, you take in the opinion. If you just take the opinion of people who are affected by the United States, right? There's the opinion of people in the United States, people who benefit from this in the United States, and there's everybody else. If you take that position into account, then yeah, it's on a. It's you can't argue with it. The United States has been the single biggest bully of the rest of the planet, so a lot of their development has to be in opposition to the United States and the United States' interests. It's just really, it's a, it's just very difficult as an opt, fundamentally like someone. I want to be an optimistic person. It's very difficult to live inside the the cultural sphere of the United States and see what I see every day in the media, in other people in the general loss of energy and commitment and values and to see the kind of lies that are being spread in the media, the racism and just the, the self-defeat, the self-defeat, the politics of self-defeat. It's very, it saps. Like if you know the difference, like if you knew what America was like in like, say like the mid or late 1980s, or, you know, being an adult in the 90s or something. The 90s was starting to feel a little bit... The late 90s, it was starting to slip into this sort of... Um, what, is it, what is it called? Like a sort of existential, you know... The Clinton years. Ennui. Yeah, you know, like late 99 yeah. when, when Office Space was a big... You know, that, that kind of thing. That sort of like... Mm-hmm. That, that sort of what is the point of all this shit kind of thing that was starting to take hold in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um... But I think when you compare the, the energy of like when America really had sort of a national project going and people were not just obscenely cynical and, you know, whatever. I'm not saying the United States was necessarily a force for, for good, but I do think that we didn't like revel in being evil the way we do now and, and openly defend being evil the way we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, that... I don't know how I don't know how you could live in the United States and not let it sort of poison you a little bit. That's how I feel. You know, unless you're just very You either get detached or I think the better better yet is I think you have to stay extremely engaged. (laughs) 
And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think being detached is itself a form of poisoning. It depends on it's it depends on how and what right like so so where I find the most vibrancy is like in the deep enclaves right um like I don't think you can take a step I don't think you can you it's it's to stare directly at the whole thing is kind of to lose your soul but you know I mean what do you I mean exactly by that deep I'm... enclave like what is that what's the difference you know, like why, why I don't is know, it the, better the fastest... there? I don't know. I mean, I I live in one. I grew up in one. Um, it to a sense, in a sense, it always kind of felt like a little island. Um, the boba libs will call it like a like the isolating effect of the of living in a in a in an ethno enclave, right? I see it as kind of protective. And honestly, you know, if if um, that's this is it feels way more vibrant to be there than in than elsewhere. Right, there might be more money elsewhere. There might be more technically like jobs or whatever. But you know that that kind of like de-energized de- ennui. You know this nihilism. Um, this is this is just in the ether, and there's there's pockets where that you can kind of protect yourself from that. And I think that's kind of for someone who's maybe non-white or something. That's what the uh, that's what the enclaves represent. Those are some of the fastest growing communities in California, for instance. Like house prices are still relatively like lower like interest rate that's that's just that's just everywhere right you're not gonna get away from that but like prices are fairly reasonable given you know given geography and locale um plenty of amenities uh everything that i want to be by is right here and it's cheaper than elsewhere like sign me the f up i don't i don't know like it's it's not it doesn't protect you from you know the the you know macro economic or macro social trends or whatever but if you're thinking as an individual you just have to kind of min max your way through it there is a kind of nihilism just saying like nothing can ever be improved so well, it justifies inaction. i think it's this local min max thing that i'm trying to push against is that there we should well i don't, I, I don't say we should i feel like it's important for me to think about where the entire world is going. I don't know Mm -hmm. why, but because I think like that's going to, there's a door that's closing. You know, that's what I feel like. There's a door that's closing here and we're going to shut ourselves off. Well, we're going to shut ourselves off from the rest of the world. It's not going to be as easy for us to get our money in and out of the country. Okay. It's not going to be as easy to get ourselves in in and out of the country. Okay. Um, Cat, we're going to start the, the free flow of capital is going to stop. A lot of things that we took for granted in terms of mobility and the ability to place ourselves in the world is going to narrow. And so a lot of the things that we take for granted in terms of like our choice or decision making, like we need to accelerate that because I think in the future we're going to have fewer, a lot fewer, not the same or more choices in terms of where we want to put ourselves and where we want to put our money. I, I think so, that's all true. I'm just talking about in terms of the enclaves, like like this perception that the, you know the Americas are the best, and there cannot be any this this idea just simply does not exist where I live, probably where you live either, right? Like we can, oh, you can it absolutely, see. oh, it absolutely exists here. I mean, it's just in a different form, but I mean, you know, people came here. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, the, these are people who immigrated to the United States. They obviously came here for 
a reason, you know. I mean, I, I see like like people get super hyped for the latest like like you know, sh- like store or restaurant or something, a chef that comes in from the mainland or something, mainland China or Korea or whatever. Uh, there's a, there's admiration for you know the de- the kind of businesses and you know cultural projects that they're able to bring here. Uh, I think there's a lot of respect for how far Asia specifically has come up in the past decade or so. So there's isn't so I don't really get the sense that anyone's thinking like oh you know like yeah, it's because all you a live in a lie. bubble. But I'm saying that 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 is going against the grain of like what's going on in America. I get and it. You're saying see, okay, well then dig in further and just get deeper into the bubble. And I'm like, well, the thing is that there's a bigger choice to be made, right? That's the thing. I I mean yeah okay I can move to the six two six or whatever and pretend like none of this is happening. But why would I do that? I'm saying that there's a there is a larger choice to be made in my mind. Which is like, do you want to stay inside the United States or do you see your future outside of this place? Because this place is going a certain direction and I don't really see it changing. Well, then that gets back to what I was saying at the very beginning, right? Like for me, I'm actually running, I run, this is an equation that runs in my head. It's not, it's not too far from the surface either. Like constantly take, like seeing where I'm at, seeing where things around me are at. Uh, Today, it's, you know, like, like now today, it's still more optimal for me to be here than elsewhere. So I'm going to stay. That's the equation that's in my, I'm sure that's in most people's heads too. uh, Yeah, it's in my head. But Um, but you, but I, but I think it's important to think in terms of short-term goal, medium-term goal, long-term goal. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, well, then for you, what, what's talk me through it? Short-term, medium-term. I don't long-term. see myself living my life out here in America anymore. Okay, it's sad because it's the only country I really know, and I love this place. Mm-hmm. But I don't see this as the right place to be. Um, for in in you know over the course of the next several decades. You know, um, same. Honestly, for I right now, right I, I kind of have to be here. Yeah, uh, I see an opportunity. I see an. Op- I will. I can't. It's. It'll be really hard to relocate and try to make money. Um, I can make money here. <laughs> I know how to do that. So I have to kind of be here for that. But like, my mom went back to Korea over the summer, and one of the reasons she went back is to reapply for citizenship. And I'm very much cheering that on because if she gets it back, then I automatically get it back because uh, I was a dual citizen for a while and I never actually filed the paperwork to rescind it. So my mom actually thinks that I might just be in the system. Like no one ever sent me papers saying like I, my citizenship's been revoked or anything. So we, so we have this like kind of interesting paper bureaucracy tangle to, to navigate here, but I'm trying to, I'm actively trying to get dual citizenship back. To go back I don't to see Korea? Yeah. Or to get a career. Uh, why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, yeah, I don't um, know. Well, I wouldn't go to Taiwan, that's for sure. Mm, okay. The problem with Taiwan is it has all the same problems as the fucking United States because the Taiwan is a vassal of the US and we've gone they've gone the way we've gone. Mm, and mm-hmm. they have all the same problems there. Their economy's shit. Um real estate is out of control expensive and the people are mm-hmm. are they they suffer from the same sort of thing that's going on here. I mean, honestly, South Korea isn't far behind. I know South Korea's really... got really, you know, on those indicators, is really bad too. <laughs> yeah, so like, there's, no, I wouldn't there's, go back there's to like, I think there's still like of the people that are kind of uh, black pilled a little, like new to taking the black pill, so to speak. It's like, oh, where's the perfect place to be? Like, sometimes you just have to accept that there is no such place. No, this is not about perfect. It's not. It, yeah, that's absolutely not what it's, it's about. It, it's just it about, is about the world is being split, in my opinion into two main factions the mm-hmm. western faction 
and the rest of the world. And there is a, it is, and in fact, it's a little bit deeper than that because I feel like that same division actually exists within the West itself, right? And Mm -hmm. that same division exists outside the West as well, where there's something going on where it's like some sort of, it's some sort of reaction against Western liberalism. And it's been building up for a long time and it's coming to a crest. And well, for one thing, no country that's that's uh, no t- country that's been under the aegis of the United States has had has had. Uh, they're they're all kind of struggling now, like even England, right? England's a shithole. England threw in with the United States. Let's face it; that's that's kind of that's their country. Kind of the their their of country is completely falling apart. And so, I mean, Germany's the, falling apart. It's yeah, the Germany controlled EU is falling apart. Like what? Spain, mm-hmm. Greece, France is Turkey. falling apart. France, uh, like Africa, is, just kicked them out of Af- Africa. Just the Africans just kicked them out of they 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 smelled weakness, mm-hmm. and they booted them out of Africa in Gabon yeah. and in Niger in both places. At the they were like Get so. Out. And, it, fr- you know, the, and what are they going to do about it? Apparently, nothing. They, they, can't. they can't. They can't. So this is you know this. There's something going on. It, it is the defeat of the Western world, and mm-hmm. we are in total denial about. It. In fact, we're just actively lying about it. But the more they lie about it the more obvious it becomes. Do you really think like a confident West would be like engaging in this kind of shit? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I think you're, so I think it's, you know, to the, I think if I'm the common denominator in what we're both saying is it's worth kind of shedding ideological lenses or biases. And this can be personal too. Like I think people can be very deeply invested in this. And this is, this goes back to your sunk cost fallacy. Uh, it's worth it to take a dispassionate look at your circumstances and the circumstances of the greater world around you. I think it's not, it's not just like a moral duty. It's actually imperative for your survival in the current moment and beyond. Yeah. I'm saying prepare your shit because things could go really, really fucking wrong. And by the time that happens, it might be too late to do anything about it. Uh-huh. Because you might not be allowed to move your capital out, you might not be able to relocate the way you can now. Mm-hmm. All right, there are you know we take for granted a lot of the freedoms that we have, the mobility of capital, for example, the mo- mobility of people, the ability for us to travel around the world on our passport. You know, we take that for granted, and I'm like, look, it's already starting to go away. Like there already are a lot more restrictions on the U.S. passport than there used to be. Yeah, and there's I mean, growing, and if you follow anything regarding um, finance, there is a growing, uh, there is a growing, um, gr- a growing amount of obstacles to moving your money around. Yeah. So you might find yourself stuck here. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's the thing I'm grappling with is like, well, how quickly is that going to happen, and how do I get in front of it, or do I get in front of it, or do I just sort of resign myself and be like, okay, whatever happens to America happens to me. A lot of people don't have, will not have a choice, right? Like movement of, of, of people or capital, like very few people, relatively speaking, even have a passport in the United States and not, pe- and people are increasingly impoverished. I'm not worried right? about that. So, I'm not saying all 350 million of us are going, I'm talking about me and you. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm talking them. about, I don't care if about you, but everyone can kind of, kind of optimize their current situation. If you're able to make some smart investments, uh, just, 
put an emergency fund someplace where if you have to bounce, you can still access it, right? It's worth it to do that. Yeah, like plan I, yeah, on expanding exactly. beyond the United States, the USD, shit like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's almost like, you know what? It, okay, I guess what I'm trying to say is... Not saying Bitcoin. I'm also not when, saying not Bitcoin. You know, shit like that. Everyone can... every No matter where you are, you can maximize where you're curr- you currently are. What I'm trying to say is when... When things, I think when things are on the up, a lot of times people lack the vision and the open-mindedness to see the potential and they miss out, right? They miss out. I was telling friends in 2013, I was like, yo, um, NVIDIA, this company is going to be bigger than Intel, right? Mm-hmm. I was saying like, they, you know, they found out this thing about how you can run AI algos on the GPUs and the... Facebook's going crazy for it. All the AI companies are going. This is ten years ago, mm-hmm. and if I had really bought, if I had really believed in what I was saying, and I put fifty thousand dollars into Nvidia, that thing would be worth like fifteen million dollars right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there's things where you have a sense, like there you you have like a you kind of can see where things are going, but you don't really believe it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't put fifty thousand dollars in. Yeah. Right. But it can go the other way, too. There are times where you sense that things are going the other way. Things are starting to fall apart. And so the question is, okay, well, what do you, how do you... How, conv- how convinced are you that this is real? Or is this just grumpy old man talk, but that you're not going to do anything about? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the thing I'm, I'm contending with now. Is like, there was a time when I saw things optimistically but i didn't believe it enough and i should have just parked my money in tech stocks as an example Mm -hmm. i didn't Mm -hmm. do it but now while everyone is trying to find the next nvidia or whatever i'm like wait maybe the issue these days is different maybe we're in a short what you should be looking for is the big short Mm -hmm. right maybe what you're looking for now is how how if you think things are going in a wrong direction like how convinced are you that that's a real risk rather than just you know just rhetoric so there's no right answer to that that's going to be different for everybody too well of course i don't know are we are we switching do we have to switch to more like stock tips for the (laughs) oh no i don't care about stock tips i'm just saying i'm I'm just saying like you know start with this because everyone i know is sort of Everybody I know is sort of like aware that things are going wrong. Mm-hmm. But even though they're saying that, I don't think that they're quite seeing how wrong it's going. Are they still putting in their pre-orders for the next Teslas and, and shit? Yeah, I mean they're, you know, they're they're the Rivians. It, they're putting money into, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh yes, Rivians and all this shit and it's like they're not they're not they're they're talking the talk but they're not walking the walk. Yeah. Okay, see that's the most that's the number one thing for me, right? Like if, if you want to talk about like big short or medium or long term anything, step one for me was I cut out on ex- like expenses. Yeah. I just don't do that anymore. Like mm-hmm. big extravagant purchases, no. Um so that's a thing that I think everyone could benefit from right away right is really focusing on like not wasting the money that you do have a lot of it is going to come down to money we can talk ideology all we want but nothing not like nothing about like 
prepping for the future happens unless you have the means to carry it out. And for now, that means the um, that means the dollar. So I mean that that's just if if I were to give advice and no one asked me for it, but the thing that I'm following is I'm certainly not spending like crazy. Oh, for sure. I think you got to stack your money and, you know, it's exactly the time and they're, people are going to be ent- trying to entice people to spend more and more. But I think the clear fucking thing to do right now is to stop spending, uh, you know, unless you have to. But, you know, I think, I think you should absolutely, absolutely be saving and investing. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, pick, like get, like but make that. But money. you know what? That's always been true. So I don't know. You know what I mean? It just might be more true than now. But I feel like that's always been true. There's, there was never a good time to waste your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, you know. No, it's true. But you know, but yeah, more true than than uh, than it was before. Because I'm seeing, because I'm like we're seeing this, sh- we're seeing them fucking with the dollar in open sight, right? Like the the one the one thing that you would think that a capitalist power could not screw with, and they're doing it. Like this is this is how bad it's getting right now. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like stack. I'm not even saying that I believe in the dollar. Even it's just that for now, this is what I this is all I can do. Uh, to prep for a little bit in the future. I I, I don't know. <laughs> like mm. I don't know what to say about that. Like so long term that that's that so that's that's where I'm personally at. In the meantime, you know, I tried I try to I try to I try to enjoy what I can. So that means, you know, like enjoying living in an enclave, enjoying, you know it doesn't have to be a joyless existence in the meantime. Oh no! You know the funny thing is I don't I don't feel joyless at all, but I just do think that it's you know. Um, oh, I'm not saying you are. It's just I. No, that's no, the I'm sense that I get from I'm like Twitter like, and thinking shit. About, th- thinking about this shit to me is not a matter of joylessness or not joylessness. It is just a matter of like getting my head straight about what direction the future is taking, and it's a very serious question to me because mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna dictate the quality and arc of the rest of your life. And yeah. now is a time where you can still make choices. But I don't know whether in five years, all those choices are still going to be available to us. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what are your choices? And, and should you, what, which ones should you make? Um, and I think, but, but instead, I think what I was pointing out with the sunk cost fallacy is a lot of people are just kind of like, well, I just hope for the best. And I'm like, I don't know if hoping for the best is the right thing right now. I think looking at your choices and being open-minded about what choices are good and what choices are bad. I know this is very abstract, but you know everyone's life is different. I'm just saying that sitting back passively right now is a sure way, I think, to get fucking wrecked. That's that's my that's all I gotta say. Really, well, I, I think mean, that's people, all I'm I really think that trying that to say. Hides a despair because when you say you know this is I don't think anybody truly believes that it's that people feel trapped. They don't have the they don't have a way to improve on it. So in that case, if that's if that's the case, I, then that's not true. This is a, this is I, a I psychologically protective mechanism. I don't think that's true. I think everyone has a way to. Yeah, I to mean, I just said everyone can 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 optimize their situation. I think the yeah. trap in feeling like it's you know that that whole, like everything is fine, you know, or mm-hmm. it'll be, or I'll do. I guess I'll just go down with the ship. Is kind of you got to get past that yeah. to some extent. 
Yeah. Like, everyone can do something to protect themselves a I've little bit I've just been in more right contact now. with people who have been taking their own matters into their own hands and uprooting and leaving. Leaving the United States, either full, uh, permanently or, you know, or on a, on a semi-permanent basis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of different types of people. I'm not just talking about people, uh, you know, elite professionals relocating to, like, Hong Kong. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people here that are, like, deciding to spend half the year in Mexico. Uh, and and really taking like you know easing up on on the amount of time that they spend here you know grinding here in the United States. I'm seeing people who are um, moving to Southeast Asia, even though they're not Southeast Asian. Yeah, and saying like you know it's easy, it's just an easier life here, and I like it here. I'm There's seeing a lot of people trickle, just moving but that's out. Accelerating, yeah, especially with work Europe. from home I don't or know the why tech industry. That. Um, mm. that's, it's been accelerating big time. And yeah. a lot of those people that, you know, the digital nomads or whatever, a lot of them aren't going to come back or they, they're very down on the United States because they have seen what it is like. And they've seen being in places that are actively trying to like cater to them. Like, this is mm. the thing about living in California, like even being in quote, the tech industry, it is really hostile. California is making it very obvious that I am not actually all that welcoming. I have to fight to be here. There are places out there I know are that are that are going to be far more willing to accommodate me uh, and try to help me in getting in in achieving my goals because me being there also helps them. Yeah. So this is kind of the arrogance of being on top. Like everyone, California is just assuming that I'm willing to pay out the nose and jump through all the fucking hoops to be able to stay in California. Every day that goes by, yeah, that more and more less people are saying true. no to that. Yeah. yeah no, I don't like I said, I don't, I don't I don't personally I don't see a lot of you all Californians leaving California. <laughs> no. I mean I I know there's a lot I, of talk I, about that, but the Californians tend to stay in California despite all this shit. And that's why I, mean, I think like, things are getting so can, bad because they, they kinda can count on you all to stay. Yeah, like that's ultimately the ultimate power, right? But yeah. I mean for one California has experienced its first dip in population. Like more people have left than have come in. Yeah, I think that um, might be a blip. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Because I think like, it, the places they went to are even worse. Who knows, right? That's just a... We just have the information we have. Um, we do know that all the trends that, that caused that little exodus, none of them have eased up. So we'll Texas see. Texas is 115 degrees like every day, and Florida is literally full of Nazis. It's a, And a swamp. Yeah. Swampy Nazis. So let's, not, let's not say that I, there's exactly that many better alternatives in California. I get it. I get it. At the same time, you know, if I'm looking for a house and I really regret not 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 taking the plunge in like 2020, right? Like I was going to. Um, it's probably but, good that you didn't. Um, I don't know. I, th- I, I go back and forth on that. But well, you wouldn't you be know, able. To, I mean, you'd be stuck with that house right now. In, in yeah. For so. So you know. And then, like, literally anywhere else, like, if I just look anywhere outside of where, you know, my, quote, ideal place to live, it looks like buying, it, it looks like a joke. It looks like I'm, I'm, I'm playing, like, playing with, like, Monopoly money. The numbers, the scale is just that different. Um, for a lot of people, that's going to mean that, like, they're going to leave. Or if not, if not leave the state, at least move out. And that's what the rise of the new, like, the new uh, enclaves 
in LA and probably other places around the country that like they're all pushing further out. They're further away from the city center. They're much cheaper. They're much more insular. They've got all the amenities. It's great for families. Um, so those are the communities that have the highest growth and they are, they tend to be much cheaper than quote, you know, the, the most ideal place to live in the metro, in the metropolitan cities. Yeah. I, for me, so it's more just the like, state, look, but they are moving just, away for me. It's just like, there's still an arbitrage going where, you know, you can still earn good money in the United States relative to the rest of the world for whatever reason, that's what's going on. Um, it's probably going to stay that way for at least a while. I don't think that's going to change per se that quickly. Um, so the United States will remain a good place to earn money, but it, I don't think it's going to be a good place to invest money. I actually think that it's good to earn here, but it might be good to expatriate your, you know, at least some of your money abroad. And diversify. Um, That's always been good advice. Yeah. And, and, and I think what else, I'm looking at now is hold on to it as hold on to as much of it as you can. Well, I think what I'm thinking about now is like looking around the world and seeing like where arbitrage opportunities exist, where I seem to be able to get a lot for my, my money mm-hmm. and go and, and really, really consider going for it. Mm-hmm. You know, if that includes real estate or if that includes what I'm not particularly you know, interested in financial assets. Like I don't think I just, I've never been convinced that foreign stocks are where it's at because I just don't think the rest of the world cares about stocks as much as we do. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that a lot of the appreciation is necessarily going to come through shares in corporations. I think a lot of it's going to be driven by harder real assets like real estate. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, funny enough, I think we're going to come upon like a probably a global real estate slowdown, which only means, guess what? There might be even better opportunities to buy. So uh, that's already kind of happening. Uh, like mm-hmm. my mom was looking at my mom was was looking at that um, because the uh, the hike and, you know, the domestic turmoil in the in the markets and interest rates that has also affected countries that, you know, are in the shadow yeah, of like the Korean. United States. Yeah. So Korean you know, real do- estate's been crashing like crazy. Mm hmm. So she's been considering like putting more of her money there. Yeah. And then, you know, I might end That's up. That's what the smart people do. Every time there's a fucking fire, they go running towards the fire with a bag full of cash. Mm-hmm. That's how people get rich. So, I mean, and now it's just protective. Like maybe I'll own a house in Korea before I own one here, you know? Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Um, Why not? I have to be kind of smart and not like ideologically committed. Like it seems kind of weird. Yes. But, yes. you know, it's you got to do what you got to do. That's my point. It's just yeah. like let's let go of assumptions that you know we're stuck here, and 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 start to see that you know there's a whole world in play, and you may not necessarily want to stake your future here, and uh, there's a lot of reasons I think to think that way right now, and while it may sound a little nuts to some, that's exactly when you want to start thinking about it because I think when you wait until it makes a lot of sense, guess what? It's it's too late. That's when mm-hmm. the price of Nvidia has already gone through the roof, and you you know there's no point in buying it in anymore. You know, like it's, it's, yeah. So being like too so. clouded with I, like mm-hmm. ideology, like paying too close attention to the news, basically, um, you're not you're not they're not up for your best interest here. No, it's of course worth not. Taking a, a a dispassionate look at where things actually are. Yes, but people, people will you, call you, you crazy. People will call you crazy well, for doing that. Is my point. People will say that you're overreacting. People, whatever, and it's like, look, that's the same people who prevented me from putting fifty k into fucking Nvidia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, actually, no one said that to me. But uh, uh, so that's not a good analogy. But but that my point is that 
yes, like no one is going to say that. The, well, I am saying it's a good idea, but I'm saying if you look out into the larger, you know, everyone's going to tell you it's going to be fine. Everyone's going to tell they're you telling this is cyclical. Okay, everyone say, China's you know, about to collapse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Ru- Ukraine is going to win. Yeah. The stock market's doing great. And so you're Unemployment to number is really low. It means things are really good. Yeah. That, that is what they want to tell you. That is not lie. what you need to know for yourself. Like it's only you lie. know. It's a fucking um, so just take a step back, like be very dispassionate about, about where, where you stand, what you need to do. And I think people generally are very correct. They're very astute about where they stand and what they actually need and where they want to be. In a oh, I, disagree. Of years. I think most people are fucking idiots. <laughs> I think uh, that's, I don't know. I think that's how we got into this situation in the first place. I think people are still out there YOLOing with their credit cards. They're still doing that shit. And I don't, I don't know what the fuck they're thinking, but don't be one of them. I think it's opportunity. As long as there's idiots out there, just go against the herd, you know? Mm-hmm. So, no, I totally disagree. I think there's like, so many fucking morons out there. And you can it's in the data. I mean, the, they're, they're, they're still YOLOing on credit cards. Consumer spending well, is still what? at an all-time high. It's, well, I mean, sure, it's, now I it's that. finally turning down. But you know why? Because they're finally getting their credit cut off. That's the only reason. It's not because no, they're I don't smarter. know if that's YOLO. Part of that's going to be YOLO. Sure, the Instagram people or what, whatnot, the lifestyle, the lifestyle creep motherfuckers. That's not who, a small segment of society anymore. There's a lot it's of not people a, now. Sure, I'm. Just, my contention is still that I still feel like the bulk of that is going to be people who are. Is a. I, I feel like that's part of that. At least a good part of that spike. I don't know about the majority, but a, a non-trivial proportion is people dealing with the hikes in cost of living. Well, then why are they all buying fucking super expensive cars on lease? And, you know, why no are they going on them. fucking, why are, you know, is that the, they, is that going on expensive uh, vacations and cruises? Like, I, well, I, mean, I know that, that a lot of that's come to an end, but why were they I mean, doing that just one year Is that year the ago? majority? I don't know. It's um, a lot so, of people. Sure. Then uh, those people, like, they probably shouldn't. That's not in their best interest, yeah. uh, I think. So I don't well, know. Fuck, fuck, my point is, fuck them. If they're going to do that, let them do that. But I'm not going to join them. Sure. Um, sure. And there's a lot of these motherfuckers out there. Um, yeah. And it's and easy it's, to get sucked into that. It takes a lot of And you know, when things come and when things fall apart, they're going to they're going to employ that same appeal to just like, hey, you know, we're just regular middle class people trying to get by. And, you know, when things go wrong, that's what everyone says. And, you know, they're going to dress themselves up as having, you know, I made all the right choice. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeah, I mean, we, we all know, like, everyone was fucking YOLOing, okay? Mm-hmm. And then when the when the when when everything falls apart, they're going to claim that they were just, you know, they're innocent victims. And I'm like, no, you should have been stacking cash. You should have been saving for this day. You should have been going the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were going to hear a lot about how it's just the, you know, just the innocent middle class that got screwed by the wealthy and got screwed by Hollywood uh, by um by uh Wall Street again and I'm like no I don't know if that's going to be a sufficient explanation this time you know because I think we've all had you know plenty of opportunity to learn from the past about you know excessive leverage spending beyond our means the importance of saving and all this stuff and no one's fucking doing it and when it goes wrong again they're just going to they're going to blame everyone but themselves yeah fair i have no sympathy for people who pissed it away that's for that, sure. That's most of America. Um, I, I, I mean, we, we all know the cost of living is getting harder and hard, like harder and harder to make ends meet. So I, I don't know. I have no, I, I have no idea how to think about all of that. It's just if you can, just save as much as you can uh, possible. I guess. Save it and consider moving it to somewhere 
Mm-hmm. You know, so consider consider where to even, put it. Not just they won't the even they, they won't even hold back from fucking with the dollar. So it's not even like yeah. if you have a sufficient amount of dollars, you're you're necessarily safe. You need you need safeguards. Yeah. All right. Um, that's sufficiently uh, blackpilling and <laughs> depressing. <laughs> um, should we call it there? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know what what ground we covered, uh, but nothing. Sure. This was exactly I mean, the same conversation I had last time with uh, <laughs> Stephen and Mike. Because it's why? Because this is what's on my mind. That's why. Um, yeah. The other thing I think is is very interesting, but probably not fully baked yet um, as a topic. So probably why we we weren't able to get to it. All well, right. Let's get to, to it next time or something. Sure. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll call it here. All right. All right. Good talking as always. See ya. Same. See ya.